1: a great good afternoon to you and yours one nba coach is out no surprise tiger stadium is a sellout as we get ready for bama and lsu and the world series resumes tonight knock on wood all that and much much more coming your way today on this tuesday all saints day november the 1st the year 2022 hope everybody had a great fun safe and happy halloween now we're in the month of november and isn't it great that they have games in our local in our local areas of significant magnitude it's it's an awesome awesome thing my main man james mesh back in the master control suite spinning the tunes pushing all the buttons he's in the the game studio which is on the campus of Delta Media which houses KLWB which is 1037 last year. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041 FM. We are streaming around the world 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can take a look uh, because we're all, we're all simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: Well, uh, the players never get cut loose, the stars, but the coaches come and go. Uh, another issue with Kyrie Irving. And now the Nets and Coach Steve Nash have agreed to part ways, the two sides announced today with suspended Celtics coach Ime Udoka as the likely next Brooklyn coach. Oh, yeah. Um, players, they keep them. Coaches are very, very expendable. The trade deadline in the NFL uh, ends today at 3 o'clock our time, so about 56 minutes from now. Um, some teams are trying to position themselves that, that they think they have a chance to make a long playoff run. Other teams see themselves as, we, we're done. We're a dumpster fire, and we got to see if we can accumulate some draft picks for the future. Uh, one such trade, the Miami Dolphins have traded for Denver Broncos outside linebacker Bradley Chubb for a package that includes a 2023 first round pick that miami acquired from the san francisco 49ers last year they're also sending a running back by the name of chase edmonds a fourth round pick in 2024 and a fifth round pick in 2025 dolphins feel like they've got the offense now if they can solidify their defense a little bit with um with new england being down a little bit they have a feeling they can win their their division and make a run into the playoffs. We'll see if the Saints are wheeling and dealing at all before um, this happens That at 3 o'clock. The Pittsburgh Steelers are trading wide receiver Chase Claypool to the Bears. Board, does does any team need to help their quarterback out more than the Chicago Bears? Poor Justin Fields has no help whatsoever. He might have some help now with Chase Claypool. So uh, Chicago sending its own second round pick to Pittsburgh. Um, And now Pittsburgh's dumping players first. It was Roquan Smith, the outstanding linebacker who happens to be going to the New Orleans Saints next opponent, which are the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night. So Baltimore just got a little bit better defensively if he can pick up their system uh, quickly, quickly. So there you go. LSU Alabama, it's a sellout, and uh, nobody ever, ever doubted that or expected anything other than that for this for this Titanic um, contest with so much more on the line because it's going to be a loaded loaded visiting weekend for top recruits, including five star cornerback Desmond Ricks. He was on LSU's campus in September. Um, He's going to return for an official visit on December 17th, but um, don't be surprised uh, along those lines. So lots of great prospects will be on hand for this one. A lot of the talk about linebacker Harold Perkins. How do you keep that kid who is so talented and so gifted? You got to get him on the field. And Brian Kelly yesterday said it's important to play the best players. He's seen who those guys are. And he specifically mentioned three. Micah Baskerville has been playing really good football for us, said Kelly. Obviously, we want to get Ogilari on the field and Perkins. Those guys are making plays and have had for us high production. He also said Greg Penn has done a really nice job for us as well. But those guys are making plays. Baskerville, Ogilari, Perkins, and they have had high production. So take that for what it's worth, and we will see. Brian Kelly says they prepared well. They focused on playing their best when their best is needed. Can't be distracted, he said, by this is a big game or this is Alabama. It's not going to help LSU in this situation. What's going to help LSU, he says, is playing our best when our best is needed. Yeah. Um, he said that playing in games like this is a privilege, and that's why he came to LSU. We have the first college football um, playoff bracket will be released this evening. um I don't think, yeah you know, well, I don't know. Um, there's a lot to be said. For the possibilities, if I had to take a guess, and this is strictly a guess, based upon who they've played, how they've played, I believe Tennessee's win over Alabama trumps anything that Georgia has done by leaps and bounds and anything Ohio State has done by leaps and bounds. So I believe Tennessee will be number one. I think it's going to be two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. I think in whatever order you say, think, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan with TCU looking very, very near and dear on the outside, as will be Alabama, as will be Clemson. There's a lot of unbeaten teams left. Um, I, I just believe with the strength of scheduling, um Look, Ohio State hasn't played hardly anybody, but they did play Penn State, and they blew the doors off of them. Uh, But I believe that Tennessee's win over Alabama, albeit a close one, I think it trumps anything else out there. And so I believe, and we'll find out this evening, I believe that uh, Tennessee will be the number one ranked team in the country, even though Georgia, the defending national champion, has been Undefeated, They did show a little chink in their armor against Florida, where Florida fought back, gave them a little battle for a little bit, and then, and then Georgia pulled away. Nobody's challenged Ohio State. Michigan has run all over people. TCU has had some very impressive wins, but how? what is the strength of that conference? In the eyes of the committee? As has Clemson, what's the strength of that conference? conference in the eyes of the committee so i think they'll be on the outside looking in um it, it will be a very very interesting scenario um look lsu's got two losses right and a two loss team has never made the playoff in fact the last two loss team to make to make a national championship appearance was lsu when the strangest of strange things happened uh, and all the stars lined up properly Uh, It was amazing. But if LSU beats Alabama, runs the table from there, avenges their loss to Tennessee on the way to a conference title, they could break precedent because the SEC champion has never missed the playoff. So so there's something there. There's something there. Now, the most SEC-centric scenario the rest of the country needs to root against is Alabama winning out, beating Georgia in the SEC championship game, and leaving Alabama and Georgia at 12 and 1 and Tennessee at 11 and 1 with a close loss to Georgia? That would be one of those scenarios where, oh my gosh, how many SEC teams can you get in? So a lot to play for. We'll talk with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. As number one, Georgia faces number two, Tennessee, according to the polls, Saturday in Athens. I think it could be reversed in the college playoff scenario, even though you look at the odds and Georgia is more than a touchdown favorite over Tennessee in Athens. I think, again, being repetitive, Tennessee's win over Alabama trumps anything else out there. Just does. So you got Georgia, Tennessee undefeated, Alabama, Ole Miss with only one loss. LSU has the tiebreaker over Ole Miss. It would be unbelievable if LSU could beat Alabama, hold the tiebreaker over them, get into the SEC championship game. And who knows? Who really knows? You just don't. So we'll talk all things college football with Tony Barnhart. Grant Hughes will join us in hour number two. He is our NBA feature reporter. Steve Nash out. Uh, Boy, the Nets are just so dysfunctional. And what has he seen from the Pelicans? What has he seen from the NBA this early on in the season? Then Bob Rose will join us as the trade deadline is, uh, oh, about 47 minutes away. Will the Saints be a player at all? Will we know anything? Um, And we'll talk about the big win over the Raiders and what's it going to take with Lamar Jackson and company coming into the Dome on Monday Night Football. That is our guest list today. So we're looking forward to all of that and much more. tour. And don't forget the Houston Astros rained out yesterday, but they're in the city of brotherly love to take on the Phillies in game three of the world series. And you can listen to every pitch, every clutch hit, every thrilling moment of game three tonight on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Astro launch begins at 630. First pick set for 703 you can listen to it all you can listen to it all live here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles all right time to get busy tigers and the tide matthew bruni will join us and we'll discuss that and much much more as we're rolling on a tuesday the first of november wow in the year 2022 we'll be back on the Jordy Helper show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles You're home of those LSU Tigers and a sold-out Tiger Stadium on Saturday night. Stay with us.
0: Tune in every weekday at 8 15 AM and 3 15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And hey, we welcome you back. It's time to get into the throes of this LSU Alabama week as we get closer and closer to a sold out tiger stadium six o'clock and of course you can listen to the ball game right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Matthew Bruni kind enough to join us as he covers the tigers inside and out Bama favorite 12 and a half you uh what do you think about that spread big guy
2: yeah, um, I, I anticipated it dropping a bit. Um, I think it was like 13 and a half, 12 and a half. You know, I could, I could see it getting to like 11 or so. I think that's a, that's about right. Okay. I mean, Bama obviously comes in, uh, even on the road. They're, they're still elite team and elite program and sure. still, still some question marks about LSU, even though they're playing well.
1: I've said this all week, I'll say it again, it's a different Alabama team. They've got they've got a, a, an incredible quarterback, but what they don't have, they're they're good wide receivers, but they're not over-the-top, insane type of wide receivers that we've seen from Alabama uh, that not only did it in college, but they're doing it in the pros now. Do you agree with yeah. that?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you just think back, I think it was the 2019 team when they had – Jerry Judy, uh, Mechie, they had Devontae Smith and, you know, two other, uh, um, Henry Ruggs. I mean, they had, you know, five NFL, you know, first-round picks on that yep. receiver. This year's team, yeah, Ja'Cory Brooks is good. Jermaine Burton is good. They have some solid players, but Jameer Gibbs, the running back, leads them in receptions. I mean, right. it's a it's a very different offense. Uh, Bryce Young has a lot more on his plate. When you look at the this offense, it's really Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs and, you know, figuring it out and trying to piece together scoring, which I mean, they scored the ball fine, but it's really on those two.
1: The, the thing that stands out to me, uh, Matthew, is about Alabama. You, you mentioned the 2019 uh, LSU was unbelievable and they had to fight and fight. Alabama kept coming back. They never quit. They never quit. And they gave LSU all they wanted. This year's supposed... LSU team of 2019, Tennessee, had to fight and fight at home. Alabama kept coming and kept – and Alabama should have won the game. If they just handled the end of the game a little bit better, they would have won the thing. So what? I guess my point is you're not – Alabama's not going to beat themselves. You have to beat them. And as Nick Saban always said, you got to play 60 minutes, and that's the only way.
2: Yeah, it's – like you said, I mean, they definitely come out of that Tennessee game on the road – Losing on a last-second field goal, I didn't come out of that game thinking that they were done, that they, they were like a bad team or anything like that. They right. went tooth and nail with Tennessee. And uh, the other two performances that that are probably more hopeful if you're an LSU fan are the fact A&M pushed them and the fact that te- Texas pushed them. Like, those are the mm-hmm. results. You're like, okay, if they, if they can push them, you know, LSU, if they execute everything and don't beat themselves, no mistakes uh, and no uh, turnovers on special teams or anything like right. that, you think LSU can have a shot here um, in this game? But yeah, no. The, the, I mean, we saw Alabama's potential, their potency in that Tennessee game, and then last week they come and just you know shut out Mississippi State basically until the last play of the game. So it's still a very, very, very good Alabama team.
1: And, and look, LSU has a quarterback. I believe that if he plays as he has played the last two times out, we will give Alabama fits. But this all comes down to me to the trenches can lsu's offensive line give Jaden daniels time open up some holes for the running game that's what it comes down to me you tell me you've analyzed this what do you see uh in this game
2: yeah i, I agree 100 percent the obviously will anderson you know heisman hopeful from, hopeful from last year off the edge and then dallas turned on the other side i mean these are two Ooh. nfl Defensive yep. ends, they're going against two freshman offensive tackles and Will Campbell and Emory Jones for LSU. So, um, I think you, you bring up a good point. I, I want to see LSU establish a little bit of the run game early on just to try to, to either wear them down or at least have it to where they're not in obvious passing situations here mm-hmm. to where those defensive ends can get off the ball and, you know, not worry about the run at all. So, but they're going to have to keep a running back in, they're going to have to keep a tight end in at times and help out those freshman tackles against those guys because that's that's not easy. They're not LSU's offense is not like Tennessee's where they can get the ball out quick and they just have this high-flying attack. They're going to have to – like you said, Jaden Daniels is playing well, but those guys are uh, legitimate NFL players off the edge that are the, the best part of Alabama's defense.
1: And as you said, going up against two freshmen. I know they're not freshmen now because they played a bunch of games and all and you get better and better and they have gotten better. But they hadn't faced anything like this. And so that's uh, that's that's critical as well. And you, do me a favor. Go talk to Kayshawn Booty and tell him, look, this is the kind of game that can make you a lot of money, dude. A lot of money. Show up and show out, and you'll make yourself a lot of money if you can do it against Bama. NFL scouts love you.
2: Yeah. The pass game is going to be really interesting because you – I think Jaden's really gotten in the rhythm. Obviously the offense has scored, yeah. you know, 90 points in the last two games, but um I'm I am a little worried if the pass rush hits early a couple times if he does revert at all to the early season, you know, yeah, look more. to just get yards on the ground. Like that, that's that's going to be an interesting point to me. So um yeah, I but at the end of the day Alabama secondary is not as good as it as it usually is i would argue it's probably the weakest part of their team they did get mm-hmm. i mean Eli Rick played a bit last week for the first time all year, so maybe we see him but the the l s u receiving course you know it it, it needs to have a it needs to have a good day against this alabama uh, secondary
1: I'm with you um what, your belief your philosophy for l s u defensively it, it, you gotta stop Gibbs. You can't let him run wild. That, that's that's yeah. task number one to me. Yeah. Are you agreeing with that? Or do you think it's more of you gotta contain Bryce Young? Good luck doing that. Yeah,
2: I, I think if, if you can slow down Gibbs on the ground, he's just he's so elusive, he's, he's so, so fast. Good. I mean he he can do everything out of the backfield for them. And like I said, it's really just Gibbs and Young who will do everything for them. So if you can limit Gibbs and force Young to to, to make some some tough throws into uh to their receivers who their receivers i i mean i without even just going back and watching the film i've just you know you've watched a lot of alabama games just um by watching college football this year they they've had some drops they've been they've been inconsistent at receiver at times so you know you, you want to make them make the plays and not let jameer gibbs beat you i think that'll be an interesting thing but i'm interested to see if harold perkins how much he plays and how they utilize him and you know, if they rush him, if they spy him, there's a lot of different ways that they can go about um, defending Alabama. But um, I think Herrick Perkins has to probably be on the field with O'Gillard.
1: Uh, We're talking with uh, Matthew Bruni. Let me, let me tell you another key to this one. And it's uh, it's reared its ugly head before. And, and special teams, I think, will play a huge role in this one because Bama's got a name, a guy back there by the name of Kool-Aid McKinstry. Mm-hmm. And yep. he is some kind of good in the return game, I, man. I wouldn't kick it anywhere near that dude. I really wouldn't.
2: Yep, yep. I mean, I w- I wouldn't either. And that's where you hope having a veteran Jay Bramblet back there, yeah. um, who, albeit has had you know had his fair share of mistakes, whether it's overkicking coverage or um, you know just not being on time with the, the coverage team. But you hope having Jay Bramblet back there, you hope. You know, Brian Polian can can get it to where they're not kicking the Kool-Aid McKinstry because uh there were times throughout that Tennessee game where it felt like he was gonna flip the game and he's just he's one of the best returnmen in the country. So uh a defensive back for them for those who I mean who don't who don't know. He starts at uh, he bounces gotta, around from nickel to corner and stuff like that. But yeah, very, very good return man.
1: I gotta dive into this Kool-Aid where where that came from I have absolutely <laughs> no clue whatsoever but it's kind of it is kind of cool right it's kind of cool so um I, I said this before and i want your your impressions um look i know Sabin's the best all right there's no question no doubt um if he had stayed here with his ability rec- to lock down the state of louisiana there's no telling how many national championships yeah. lsu would have if he had never left but that being said boy i feel a lot better and uh, I guess people are going to say, man, you're slighting these guys, but I feel a lot better with Brian Kelly across from him than I did the last two coaches that were on that sideline for LSU.
2: Yeah. I, it definitely feels like you see Brian Kelly versus Nick Saban. It feels a lot more even in terms of whether it's preparation or just how the two programs are run uh, on a day-to-day basis. You feel like you're, you're getting two similar types of coaches. Yeah. Closer for sure. So that's, that's going to be an interesting thing. And both teams obviously coming off a bye week as they always do. And um, I thought LSU was rolling. You know, Alabama's coming off an impressive win itself over Mississippi State. So, no, you know, the injuries for both teams are marginalized to a degree. You know, they are what they are. I don't think either team is, you know, really it hurt too, too bad. So it's going to come down to coaching, which team is prepared, and if LSU can get off to a decent start early and not go down two scores in the first quarter
1: yeah i'm with you matthew birdie with us um a lot big recruiting weekend too i know uh 247 is all over it but uh boy you're gonna have all kind of people here all kind of eyes on this one and, and that's what makes it so special so important and that's why it's so good that this is a meaningful game and my gosh if i said it earlier if lsu beats bama wins out I mean, this is a big hypothetical huge hypothetical yeah. and then yeah. let's say they play tennessee in the sec championship and Veng's that loss, they're going to the college football playoff. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true.
2: Yeah, it is a it is it is a, a hypothetical I know it's that, a pipe dream, but it's it's a it's a possibility. Look, I mean, yes, beating like if we just look at beating Alabama, they're twelve point dogs. We see every week that. A, two touchdown dog ends up winning at some point. It's definitely not off the table for L S U to win at home against Alabama this year when Alabama's not as good as they were last year and they're not as good as they were, you know, twenty nineteen and years like that. So it's um it's it's on the table and then after that you got Arkansas and A and M and neither one of those teams looks particularly uh frightening at this point and you kinda go from there. But at I mean I win over Alabama alone in itself would put yeah. LSU on the back on the map, I mean, back in the top ten, obviously, put them just in everyone's conversation moving forward about how good the team will be under Brian Kelly in the future years. So whether regardless of how the rest of the year turns out, if you win this game, it completely changes the perception of LSU.
1: College football playoff uh, bracket comes out today. Who do you think is number one?
2: Uh, I feel like the committee... I feel like the committee is probably gonna stick with Georgia. As far as I mean, I feel like the, the AP's had Georgia at one for a while. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if they had Tennessee, though. I mean, Tennessee I, coming I, off I, that win over Kentucky would be uh, would be something. But I, I assume they stick with Georgia, and then you know, Tennessee, Ohio State in two threes.
1: And who's your fourth? Is it is it an SEC Big Ten Final <sighs> Four? Probably
2: Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Prob- probably Michigan at this point, and yeah, Clemson. Hovering around in there, Clemson's been kind of up and down, but they're undefeated. So, I think it's going to
1: be. Uh, I think Tennessee's going to be number one because I think their win over Alabama will trump everybody yep. else's. Just a guess.
2: Yeah. Just a guess. Yeah. Oregon keeps winning though, so that, that Georgia win by fifty points. Yeah. Continues then, yeah I for, forgot about that some, one.
1: Yeah. I did forget legs. about that one. Well, it's it's not how you it's not how you start. It's how you finish. We yeah. shall see. Matthew Bruni, thank you, my friend. Enjoy the week, and uh, enjoy a sold-out Tiger Stadium, buddy. Thank you.
2: Yes, will do. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You
1: got it, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, If you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, then text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing at the Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text PANTHER to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever brought to you by The Game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. Mr. College Football will tell us who's in the Final Four, and he'll talk about the Georgia Bulldogs and the Tennessee Volunteers, the Tigers and the Tide, and the loss of an iconic legend of college football and the SEC when we return After this timeout, on the Jordy Hulpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana.
0: Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go.
1: Oh, The SEC is living the dream with the two biggest games in college football this weekend, so we invited Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, to join us to share his thoughts on that and much, much more. Good afternoon, Tony. How are you?
3: All right, Jordy. It's, It's just hard to believe we're in November.
1: Unbelievable. Before we get on those games, I know you lost a near and dear friend in Vince Dooley, the the, the patriarch of Georgia football uh, your thoughts if you don't mind sharing them
3: well it's it's one of those things you know you know it's coming right when it happens you're still not ready for it um, we had we know we had known for a little while that coach Dooley had been in in, in pretty bad shape right and we knew it was going to happen and then we got the phone call ironically I was in Jacksonville getting ready for the Georgia Florida game. When the uh, call came, he, Paul Feinbaum asked me what, what we should remember about Coach Dooley, and I think it's that he was much more than a football coach. He was a yeah. true Renaissance man and with a lot of very interests, in, uh, interests. He was a master gardener, a designation uh, that you have to earn from the state of Georgia. He was a yeah. master gardener. He was a Civil War historian who had been to every major battlefield from the civil war and knew it uh, had done books about uh, that time in history. And so he was a, uh, and won every award other than football games. He won every award you can win in college athletics as an administrator. And so yeah. we will miss him. And he, he supported my charity golf tournament every year. And he was there to shake hands and take pictures. And he was, yeah. he reveled in it. So that's what I, we, that's what... we will miss him terribly.
1: That's what I remember, more than the football coach and the AD. And, uh, he was just a nice man. He always said hello to you, shook your hand. How have you been? How's your family? Yep. Uh, and, and so, yeah, he was uh, a very legendary figure, and we will all miss him. You were there for the cocktail party. Did you see a little chink in the armor in Georgia, or was that just a little hiccup? Was Florida made a little run at him?
3: They made a little run, but it's 28-3 it's to 3 at halftime. Georgia turned the ball over a couple of times, and uh, I think that, that helped Florida get back in it. Now, Georgia is a team – I've been asked a lot about the game with Tennessee, and to me it's pretty simple. If both teams score in the 40s, Tennessee's going to win the game. If both teams score in the 30s, Georgia's going to win the game. Georgia, Georgia can't win a 45-40 to 40 game, but they can win a 35-30 to 30 game, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. But Hendon Hooker, my goodness gracious – <laughs> He's just playing lights out, and his receivers are – it's it's the best set of receivers in the SEC. So it's it's going to be an incredible challenge for Georgia, but they're at Dooley Field, yeah. so that will be interesting.
1: Did Georgia lose a pretty significant defensive player?
3: Yes, Nolan Smith, outstanding okay. defensive end, pass rush, rusher guy off the edge, was the junior college player of the year uh, two years ago, I guess it was. And, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys you expect to put pressure on the quarterback, and he is not available.
1: So who do you like in that game?
3: I still – I like Georgia because they're playing at home. Okay. Uh, I think they will come up with – Tennessee does an incredible job of scheming their way of getting your linebacker on their fast wide receiver. Uh-huh. And I'm not real smart, but if you can do that consistently, then you're going to get in trouble. But I, I still like Georgia at home. If Georgia can uh, keep the score in the 30s and not let it get it too out of hand, and Tennessee has proven uh, to our our friends at Baton Rouge they can score a lot of points in a hurry. Are you surprised Georgia's favored by eight and a half? That's done. That's a that's a lot of points. Stunned that the number is that high. Uh, but well, well, we'll see. I, I just I just think the, I just think that's a big number for one versus two playing Ooh. at Georgia.
1: Yeah, Vegas keeps those we'll lights see. on Vegas has those lights on for a reason. they're pretty smart, but i that amazes me. with that being said, Georgia being that big of a favorite, does that play any role in what we're going to hear tonight with the college football playoff committee and their selection?
3: I don't think so I, okay. I, I, I I know the committee i've I've been through the mock selection myself in in Dallas and it's really about the numbers and who who have you played and how did you do? So, so Did I think
1: I think Tennessee's win over Alabama trumps anything Georgia's done. So I think Tennessee will be number one.
3: I think Tennessee will be number one too. Who's got two better wins than Ella than than uh, Tennessee over LSU and Tennessee over Alabama? Nobody has two better wins than Georgia that.
1: has one good win that win over Oregon the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. It's turned out to be pretty sweet.
3: It has turned out to be pretty sweet. That uh, it's that's why I think Tennessee's going to be first. Georgia. Georgia and Ohio State could go either way, you know, mm-hmm. but it's um, it, it's it's going to be fascinating how it all plays out at the end. But watch this tonight, Jordy, when they release the rankings. Where is Clemson?
1: I think they're oh. on the outside looking at because I think TCU's got better wins than Clemson.
3: But here's yeah now mm-hmm. if TCU goes undefeated, we'll have that argument. But I have you looked at TCU's schedule? Texas Tech at Texas. At Baylor, yes, Iowa State. A much tougher schedule. Right. And they but won. So
1: I think TCU will be ahead of Clemson. The question is, is TCU going to be ahead of Michigan?
3: Right. Well, you know that one of those teams is going to lose. Uh, that, that's the great thing. Is Georgia and Tennessee are going to play. Right. Michigan and Ohio State are going to play. Right. And then Clemson's Clemson, if, if if I'm an SEC fan and I want more than one team in the playoff, then watch Clemson play Notre Dame. See if Notre Dame can beat Clemson at Notre Dame Mm. because that, remember this, the committee has never left out an undefeated power five conference champion, never.
1: Yeah. I just threw this out there. I mean, the, the chances of this are about as far fetched as LSU losing two games and getting into the college football, uh, the, the championship game with Les Miles flying back from Atlanta and West Virginia did what they did Mm -hmm. and everything fell into place. But if LSU beats Alabama, all right, this is a – don't laugh at me. If LSU beats Alabama, runs the table, plays Tennessee in the SEC championship game, and somehow Tennessee just gives the game away and LSU wins a two-loss SEC champion. They've never not taken the SEC champion.
3: Yeah, no, I I think they would absolutely take LSU. And then – then you got to fight out between uh, between Georgia, the, <laughs> yep. the Georgia, Georgia, and Tennessee. Who's the loser yep. or the second team? But no, I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind. If LSU is a is, a, is the it's the SEC champion with two losses. They're in.
1: They're in. All right, LSU, Alabama. Your your thoughts on that? Here's my look. They've got a great quarterback. They they've got a great running back. They don't have those same receivers that we see right. tearing up the NFL like they are now. They're right. good, but they're not superhuman, right? I think that gives LSU a slight possibility with the way their quarterbacks playing,
3: right? Where the play, where they're they're playing at home, their yeah. quarterbacks playing awfully well. Uh, the thing is, you got what thing you have to do if you're if you're LSU is you cannot give up. You can't turn the ball over, yeah. and you can't give give up big plays, right? Because they'll throw it. Listen, and I tell you what, you need to get a lead because if, because you, if, give the ball, never if you give the ball to Bryce Young at the end of the game, yeah. he's going to win the game.
1: I've said this ad nauseum. that great LSU football team uh had to beat had to score and score and score and score and Alabama never stopped scoring, they kept coming back and LSU beat Tennessee yep. this year. Had to keep scoring and keeps Alabama never gives up. They'll never quit.
3: They're totally relentless yeah and they find you know everybody said well they they, they want a close game against so-and-so they want to yeah all that's true but you know what they want that's right and these these guys believe they're gonna win and they believe that you know they're gonna win yeah going into the game so it's i think it's good the fact that the game is in baton rouge gets me excited i'm excited about that
1: i'm with you um very interesting we shall see uh Everybody's poaching at each other in the SEC. You got a, um, a Mississippi State athletic director going to Auburn. Uh, you got the Auburn football coach fired, and everybody tells me Auburn's going after Lane
3: Kiffin. What
1: well, do you that think? That
3: would certainly be would certainly be one of the first phone calls I'd make. Because because here's the thing: what what did we learn from the very short tenure of Brian Harson? What did we learn more than anything we learned? You
1: better have a good you offense.
3: Better, you better come in here with an understanding of what it takes to play in the SEC, to coach in the SEC, and to recruit in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I don't think Brian Harson I think Brian Harson got in this league and went, oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Because <laughs> yeah. he's a good coach, and he's going to be successful. Like Somewhere. an Arizona State, he would be perfect for something like that. Yeah. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is you got to understand that recruiting in this, in this league – is hand to hand combat. And you've got to understand that going in, it costs Dan Mullen his job. I'm t- I'm I'm thoroughly convinced mm-hmm. when Dan Mullen got asked in a press conference about something, something recruit, 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 Hey, get back to me, we'll deal we'll deal with that during recruiting season. From that moment on, Dan yeah. Mullen's fate was sealed because yeah. he didn't know the number one lesson.
1: There is no the such SEC. thing as recruiting season. It's there year is, round. It's three hundred and sixty five yeah. days a year. Wouldn't so, that be interesting if Kiffin got into the state of Alabama and he and and Saban were going after the same players? Wouldn't that be an interesting little uh, scenario?
3: And 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 that's how rivalries are born from from recruiting. And he listen, somebody said, "What? A, how about Lane would want to compete against Nick Saban? He's already competing against him that's now. That's right. That's right. He would have a bigger platform. With all due respect to my good friends at Ole Miss." Auburn's a bigger platform. They played for a national championship. Mm -hmm. They won a national championship. They've been in the SEC championship game a bunch of times. Ole Miss has never been there. It's a different. Ole Miss is a wonderful school and they've done a great job, but it's a different platform.
1: Florida at Texas A and M. Don't you think Jimbo's going? Okay, look, this season's a wash. Yep. So I'm going to play my freshman quarterback, and I'm going to I'm going to play as many freshmen as I can to let everybody know that the we're starting our future now and don't fire me now. Just let, let's let these freshmen develop and we're going to be something special down the road. I think that
3: that's, makes- I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, uh, it looks like they found, found their quarterback. Yeah. They had, a, had a great game, uh, last week and everybody just, you know, you, you need everybody just to calm down this. Se- yeah. This season did not go the way. A and M had planned, but they knew they were going to play a lot of young guys and they're going to, they're going to keep doing it. Now, you—it'd be nice for them to go six and six and go to a bowl, but um, everybody just has to calm down a little bit. Uh, it's you—you you were never going to beat Alabama to win the division championship. That was not going to happen this year. All you had to do is look at the roster. You know, and there's no magic to this. So, yeah, I, I know Texas a and would like to play better down the stretch because they—they went—they've gone through in this four-game losing streak. They've gone through stretches where it didn't look like they didn't know what the heck they were doing. Uh, they mm-hmm. they were not a well-coached team at times.
1: From top to bottom, which division is the tougher this year in the SEC? You got two unbeatens in the East, you've got yep. Alabama LSU Ole Miss in the West. Vandy is is winless in the league, but A and a
3: and M's one four? I, yeah, I would still say the West because frankly, Kentucky's been a disappointment. Yes. Um yes, I agree. And, and when they had to play without their quarterback, they just you know, they, did, they just weren't very good. Here's here's the thing. Just from talking to some people about this, one thing we've always been able to hang our hat on with Kentucky is you're not there. You're not going to outman them. You're not going to out physical. them. You know, game, right. it's going to be a physical game, and and if it's a physical game, Kentucky does okay. I thought Tennessee lined up and kicked their butt from yes they beginning did beginning to end last yes, week. They did. And you don't see that very much no. in Kentucky. So I know Mark Stoops has got to be fuming. But Tennessee Tennessee is a lot more. People look at Tennessee and consider them a, a finesse team because of what, what they do. Mm-hmm. They're a very physical football team.
1: Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football with us. Are we going to have some ADs looking at uh, in Fayetteville, Arkansas? Because Liberty's coming to town with only one loss and a coach that Mm. I, he did good. He ran a foul and had some yep. personal things, but Hugh Freeze pretty darn
3: good coach, you think? They've only they've only lost one game to Wake Forest. Yes. And Close. Hugh Freeze decided he scored late and decided to go for two and get the win.
0: That's right. Didn't.
3: If not, they would be they would be undefeated. The guy's a really good coach. He- his offensive schemes are as good as anybody. And oh by the way, when he was old miss he beat Alabama two years in a row. Would I, Auburn
1: entertain him?
3: You think? I, I think Auburn. I think Auburn will absolutely talk yeah. to Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I, I think too. if if offered the Hugh Freeze, despite his new eight-year contract at Liberty, oh. he would he would take it. I mean, Hugh Freeze had his own personal issues to deal oh. with, but I think the guy's a really good football
1: player. I'm with you. I think. Uh, whew, I don't see. I don't see Kiffin leaving Ole Miss. I think he's got a good deal there. It's life is good
3: in Oxford for him. I really do. Well, here's the deal with Lane in Oxford. There is no doubt about who's the king of the hill in Oxford. No doubt, he is the guy, and they're yes. going to give him whatever he wants. They're yeah. going to pay him whatever he wants. Yeah, and and that there's a lot to be said for not wanting to go out in the deep end of the pool. I can, um, but I like having, having said that, Lane is. Hey, Lane's been the head coach at USC. Okay, right. he's been the head coach of the Oakland.
1: Raiders.
3: That's right. You you're not gonna intimidate him. No, I all. know that. I know you're that you're not gonna intimidate because he 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 would be the guy to say Play but Nick every year in that same division? Yeah, I'm sign me up.
1: But let me tell you, like you said, in Los Angeles, he wasn't the king of the hill in Oakland. He what but in Oxford, Mississippi, oh, he is <laughs> He is, without a doubt. So um we shall see.
3: We shall see. Indeed.
1: Tony, thank you so much, man. Uh you got Georgia winning and what else? I got, winning,
3: I got Georgia winning, I got Alabama winning. Uh Okay. I'm tempted to pick Notre Dame over Clemson, but I've watched Debo win too many of these games. So I'm I'm picking picking Clemson there. All right. Well, enjoy
1: the SEC this weekend. It's the best show in town, as always. Tony Barnhart, thank you, my friend.
3: Bye, Jordy. Take care.
1: Take care. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back, wrap up our number one of the Jordy Helford Show here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles.
0: They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Bikes, brews, and omelets, too, returns this weekend. You can enjoy some of the best cycling in South Louisiana and finish the day with food, beers, and live music. Register now at latrail.org. There's a variety of routes that you can take, ranging from 10 to 100 miles. Saturday's path explores St. Martin Parish, ends up at Tante Marie with hot gumbo. Sunday starts and finishes in Abbeville, just in time for the giant omelet celebration. So sign up at latrail.org. Um, we haven't forgotten about the Cajuns. They've got Troy uh, this weekend. So big, big game, senior day, all that fun stuff. So, um, uh, yes, very, very important. We'll, we'll we'll go behind enemy lines later this week. We'll talk all about the matchup and everything. But in our number two today, Steve Nash out with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Ime Udoka is the... Number one candidate, the the coach that was with Boston, but had a little, uh, you know, broke some of the company rules, and he is suspended for the year, but he's looking like he's going to be the next guy in line to try and coach Kyrie and KD and Ben Simmons. We'll we'll talk with Grant Hughes, our NBA uh, feature reporter, uh, and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us to recap the Saints' big win over the, the Raiders look ahead to the Ravens and did the Saints do anything with the trade deadline three minutes from closing that's all coming your way hour number two the Jordy Helpert show here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles
0: live and local this is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles southwest Louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a Saints It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg.
1: Hour number two of two and away. We go on this first day of November in the year 2022. We've got incredibly big college football games with LSU hosting Bama, Georgia hosting Tennessee, um and we we talked all about that in hour number one here in hour number two it's it's been an early um it's a very small sample size in the n b a six games for the most part, some teams have played seven, some have played eight, but it's a small sample size, but already the shoe has dropped in Brooklyn as Steve Nash is um. Has parted ways with the Brooklyn Nets. A um, as they as they so say uh, so amicably, they have parted amicably, um, according to you know both both sides of the story. But let's talk about the NBA. He's the best in the business, Grant Hughes, your Report, out there on the West Coast. Wow, Grant, um, timing is everything. When I reached out to you, this certainly hadn't happened. But Steve Nash out as the head coach after a two and five start. He's the easiest guy to fire, right?
4: Yeah, right. Nice of the NBA, first of all, to give us uh to give us a, a big nugget like this to, to yeah. deal with a, you know, otherwise what we're gonna talk about the Utah Jazz's playoff chances this year. Yeah. <laughs> like That's unbelievable. Right. Um yeah, yeah he, he had to go, um not not based on anything that was, you know, his fault. I think if if you sort of Put together the, the hierarchy of who's to blame for how things have gone with the Nets. Nash is, you know, nowhere near the top 10, I don't think. Um, but that's just how it works. Uh, it seemed clear that the Nets had tuned him out, which was, you know, hard to be a surprising development considering Kevin Durant basically asked that Nash be fired, you know, over the summer. Um, and here we are, you know, the, the same mess is still there. And, and of all people, uh, MA Odoka is the one that, uh, Brooklyn is going to trust to clean it up.
1: Yeah. He should be hired in the next 24 to 48 hours. Let me ask you this. Kyra Irving does things off the court. He makes, he sends out tweets of, you know, that uh, are very sensitive in nature, other than hitting that shot in the 2016 NBA finals against the golden state warriors. What else has he done? Bes- besides cause trouble and disrupt teams?
3: <laughs>
4: yeah, no, I, I, uh, we've, we've been talking long enough that, that I, I hope that by now it, it's clear. Um, I got no time for Kyrie Irving on a basketball team, uh, that is trying to, trying to win or trying to function, right. Trying to be uh-huh. an, uh, you know, something other than a circus. Um, the, the track record is so long now, right. It's just, it's, it took what ten days into this season for him to, no. you know, do something stupid and and not be willing to be held accountable for it, not be willing to even answer questions seriously about it. I just, I just, uh, you know, he could have hit two or three more great final shots, I guess. And I still, I still think the right move has always been, and certainly now is just the Nets should. They're not going to do it because they wouldn't have fired Steve Nash if they were treating the problem this way. Him to go home, right? Like, I he just, is. To, I don't understand how you can operate, right? A co- you know, a functional organization with him involved in it. It just he it, is it hasn't to worked. Me. It's not going to work.
1: Yeah. He is to me what Antonio Brown is to the NFL. And, and teams finally said, go home. We don't want you.
4: Yeah. Well, it, but, I mean, it's it is similar to that in, in that I don't think anyone, you know, it's not like Irving doesn't have any game left. I think, you know, he's immensely talented. He's a great scorer. Uh, I think one thing that probably doesn't get talked about enough is on the other side is like, I don't know if he makes anybody better. I think,
3: mm-hmm. I think he's
4: a great individual player. Um, but, but all the, all the off court stuff aside, I'm not sure we're, we've got enough evidence to say that, you know, he doesn't elevate teammates. Uh, I don't think, I don't think that's been proven at all. So, if if what you've got is a massive distraction off the court, God knows what, you know, how many eye rolls there are in the locker room, right? Guys just having to listen to him all the time. Uh, and then, and then in terms of his contributions on the floor, you know, if they were 50% better, I don't know if it'd be enough to, to sort of make you willing to accept it.
1: It is not. I would ugh, I'd get rid of them. Grant Hughes, we're not getting rid of you. Um, your early thoughts on the New Orleans Pelicans four and two, scoring 118 points a game, giving up 111. They still, you know, Brandon Ingram's missed some games. Uh, Zion's missed some games. But uh, so far, what do
0: you think?
4: I mean, throw in, you know, in addition to what you said, playing hard, right? Yes. I mean, they, that's, they're, they're committed. Willie Green, you were on Willie Green before I was, I think, as, yep. as a guy that the players have really bought into. Um, I think, I mean, and just, they're a fun team. they, I don't know if you're buying stock over the next like five years, you know, of, of NBA teams, but but they're up there for sure on that list. I think it, it, it's it's remarkable to me how deep this team is, um, it really because is. like you said, they've they've had a ton of success without, you know, the two guys that are supposed to be the real drivers of it. Um, so, you know, I I don't know what the ceiling is for the Pelicans, but man, I, this this has been a great start. And and I, I don't feel like it's fluky. I, I don't get that, that sense yeah. at all from, you know, four and two. They've had, you know, they're beating teams by a ton, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it feels like the real deal to me.
1: I, I'm with you. They feel like, I mean, I've been around them when they had Chris Paul and Peja and Ty, uh, Tyson Chandler and David West kind of like a college team where they all just had a good time together. They loved playing. They had fun. It's the same kind of feel I have for this team. And I do think it's sustainable. Do you think what Portland, Utah, and San Antonio have done is sustainable? These are te- these are teams supposed to be vying for the, the seven-foot-four Frenchman. And Portland's five and one. Utah's six and two. The Spurs are five and two. Is that sustainable?
4: I mean I think for I like Portland's offseason a lot. I think they they did one of the better quick rebuilds you're ever going to see. Um and and so I'd separate the Blazers out, but for San Antonio and and for Utah, it's not sustainable and I think in Utah's case it's going to be because like, you know, they got all these picks from trading Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Those are great the most valuable asset they have is is their first-round pick this year, and they need to make sure it's good enough to have a shot at at Wembenyama. So I think Utah has like eight rotation caliber or better NBA players on the roster. I think in a few months that'll be down to like two or three, and they're going to trade those guys or they're going to sit them because this roster is good enough to win 35, 40 games or whatever whatever it might be. I don't think the Jazz will let that happen. Um, The Spurs, I think... They're just going to come down, just naturally. Yeah. Uh, right. they're, they're really young. They can trade their veterans for picks. I think that'll happen too. The Blazers, I feel a little a little better about. But yeah, some of these other hot starts. I mean, even even the Thunder, I think, are three and three or something. Totally, yes, they different. are. Yeah, they're yeah. three and three. They don't they don't want any part of that either. So I think I think we'll see whatever we expected as far as the really bad teams. I think that'll we're. These teams will deliver on that. It's just gonna take a little while. Portland's a little different though.
1: The one, the one thing the Pelicans have in their favor, they because of that Anthony Davis trade, they have a first round swap pick with the Lakers, who are one in five. Every Pelicans fan is going, keep losing Lakers. Yeah. Can will you be?
4: imagine if I mean can you imagine adding Wembenyama or or oh. Henderson, who's supposed to be the number two pick to this group? <laughs> I mean, oh. then then we're talking. We might be talking about parades after before too yeah. if, if that yeah. were to happen.
1: Wouldn't that be something? The Lakers. What? Nobody wants Russell Westbrook. They're stuck with him. He's coming off the bank. Yeah. What do you do?
4: It's. I mean, it's the same question we've been asking since this time a year ago, right? Or yeah. even before that, when they made that yeah. trade. It, it's. I mean, I think. Unfortunately, it's pretty clear that it does work better if he plays off the bench and kind of does a does an impression of, like, 2016-17 Westbrook, um, which is not a great impression anymore. He's not that guy. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, you know, if you've got to trade two first-rounders to get rid of him and I'm the Lakers, it's bleak, but I don't do it because I, I think it, there's a really strong possibility that when LeBron is done, It'll certainly happen before those picks that they have, 27 and 29, can be traded. Right. This team could really go in the tank. And I think Anthony Davis does not look to me right now like someone who's going to you know, have a renaissance in his 30s. I think that injury train yeah. is, is going yeah. one way. I um, I, if I'm the Lakers, I, I just ride it out. And I just resign myself to so this season is, is lost. We've wasted another year of LeBron James and we just have to think years down the line. That's what I would do. I think they're going to cave, and they're going to make the wrong decision and trade those picks to get off of Westbrook, and it won't uh, make them you know, better enough to, to be a, a playoff threat. So that, that's kind of where I'm at on them.
1: I think what it's come down to is LeBron has resigned himself that this team is no good, but guess what? He's going to pass Kareem and yep. be the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, and that's his motivation this year.
4: I mean, if you got nothing else, right? And look, nice. I, you, you mentioned LeBron. I think he's responsible for this because uh, yes. he holds a lot of sway. And there were other players they were talking about trading for last summer. And and look, I don't think anything happens on that team without his, you know, green light. And and right. Westbrook was was his pick, and, and and you know the organizations and Anthony Davis's, and it was a wrong decision. And so he bears some of the responsibility. I guess the organization does too for letting him weigh in. Um, but yeah, I think the scoring title is going to be the story of the year for him, um, and and there's not really a lot else to play for. That team's just not good enough. Even if they add two more starters, that team's not good enough.
1: No question. Uh, Grant Hughes, uh, Bleacher Report. So so far, from what you've seen of the NBA this early season, what what kind of trends do you see? I mean, uh, how are the offic- how's the officiating going? What what do you see so far? Big big picture.
4: I mean, big picture so far, the scoring, scoring is up across the board. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting if you look back at previous seasons, you know, scoring tends to get better as the year goes on. And it's already right now in the early going on pace to be at or near, uh, historic levels. So, Mm -hmm. um, some of that is there are just more good three point shooters and more teams are going for layups and threes. And that's just, you know, the way the league is, is going. That's not new. What What is new, I think, that's having an impact is they got rid of those take fouls. Um, so it used to be you could sort of grab somebody on a breakaway in the backcourt, and it wouldn't right. be free throws. Now it's a free throw and the ball.
2: Mm-hmm. So
4: guys are not stopping I fast like breaks on defense with these take fouls, and it's it's opened the game up. I think there, there's more transition opportunities. There's more highlights. It's you know, it's it's a great thing for just the watchability of the game, and scoring is up, too, as a result, which I think the league likes as much as anything.
1: Well, I really like Cleveland. They score a lot, 117 points a game, maybe close to 118, and they don't give up that much, only 106. They're, they're a plus 12 in point differential. They're 5-1. and one. Man, Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs, that's, that's pretty formidable, I think.
4: That's a killer team. I think, you know, Mitchell, and they they haven't had Darius Garland for all but about, you know, an all-star point guard last year for, what, like seven minutes of the opener, and he got scratched in the eye and he's been out. Um, I think, I love Evan Mobley. He was the guy they picked last year in the draft. I think he's, you know, someone that could win two or three Defensive Player of the Year awards and, you know, might still get you 20 a game. Uh, you know, and Mitchell is, you know, what top three in MVP voting if it were to happen right now. So they're really good. I, you know, some of the mainstays are still there. The Bucks are awesome. The Suns yep. have emerged from a weird off season to look really good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still think the Warriors are really good. They just, you know, don't care too much about this stage of the season. Um, but Cleveland jumped up there. Cleveland and the Pelicans, I think probably right, are the are the two yeah. teams that um, delivered on on a lot of hype. Uh, That doesn't always happen.
1: Ended on this. I always let you be the, um, you know, we're having a, putting all the players in a pool and you get to take the first pick. You're starting a team. Who is the player you pick first to start off with?
4: Oh, probably Kyrie, right? (laughs) 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 Uh, I think it's still Giannis for me. That guy just, uh, there's no, there's no questions. I have no questions about him. None. defensive player of the year, MVP, the whole deal.
1: Plays hard, plays both ends of the court, can get any bucket he wants from anywhere. I'm with you. We, we'd have to fight for that one, but I'm with you. Uh, Grant Hughes, the marathon has begun. I greatly appreciate your time, as always, and keep your eye on those Pelicans now. I'm just telling you, they got something brewing there, because don't tell me coaching doesn't matter. If you if they don't buy into what the coach is saying, you got issues, man. But Willie Green and this team, they are, they are one big happy fraternity. And uh, I think it's going to go a long way. I really do.
4: They're legit. Stamp of approval for me, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's all I need. Good.
1: Good. Have a great week, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Grant Hughes Bleacher your report. Outstanding. Outstanding. Um, Saints play on Monday night against the Baltimore Ravens. And the game will get you ready for the primetime matchup. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh gets out of the producer's chair and gets into the other chair, and they'll be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnson Street from 4 to 6. So come hang out with the fellas, enjoy the ice-cold beverages, tasty burgers this Monday night as the Saints take on the Ravens. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. It's time to talk Saints with the Black and Gold Report and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network when we return to the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
0: It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hello Robert how are you doing my friend? Jordy, I'm hanging
0: in there the entire Rose household uh
5: is going to be a game time decision because uh yeah because of the flu or some kind of virus. Oh no. Uh, but other than that we're hanging in there.
1: But I love the fact that he's playing hurt man. I tell you what he is playing hurt that's the kind of guy I want on my team. Uh trade deadline is coming gone. I assume the New Orleans Saints were inactive or do you think they were out pursuing or what what, what are you hearing? Uh,
5: they were, you know, the, the saints were definitely making and fielding calls because, you know, as you know, and as you pointed out many times, all teams do this. It's a right. you know, it's standard procedure. I never really thought that the saints would be heavily active, uh, you know, as buyers in this year's trade market, uh, mainly because of the lack of draft capital that they have. Uh, you know, I thought that if they were to deal some players, it would not be an Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas. Uh, yeah, despite some you know all, all kinds of unfounded rumors out there, I thought that it would more likely be a guy like Marcus Davenport or David Onyemata, a guy that was not under contract for the Saints beyond this season. I think with New Orleans winning, uh, and especially winning so handily against the Vegas Raiders yep. on Sunday, that. Throughout, you know, any small percentage that the Saints were going to be sellers uh, you know, at at the trade deadline. Flew right out the window then uh, yeah. because, again, you know, they not only won and kept themselves very, very much in the NFC South race, right, uh, right. but they showed the world what kind of team they can be, even with a shorthanded squad. So although I never thought the Saints would be a sell-off assets, uh, you know, wave the white flag like kind of the Carolina Panthers are doing, uh, you know, I, I thought that win against the Raiders uh, sealed that for sure.
1: And any defensive lineman that was thought to be uh, tradable the way they played, no. keep them, including our first round pick of a year ago, who's been persona non gratis, but boy did he show up.
5: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, Peyton Turner showed uh you know showed Saints fans why the Saints franchise coveted him so heavily in last year's draft. Uh yeah, and and, and we knew Peyton Turner had that kind of ability, uh, you know, both as a run stopper and a pass rusher. Uh yeah, but it, it was nice to see him uh you know emerge uh, you know all year long if we're going you know, going to stay with the halloween theme uh you know all year long he's been playing the invisible man uh you <laughs> know, it, it, it was nice to see him emerge yeah. from the shadows uh you know and, and turn into mr hyde
1: I, I tell you what else was impressive bob rose saints news network i think it adds for an interesting scenario when everybody comes back healthy but that Alante taylor dude can play ball he yeah, can play he sure ball. So can... when Marshawn Lattimore comes back, what do you do then?
5: Uh, yeah, I, I well, I think it's very simple. First of all, you don't cut into a guy like, you know, cut into Marshawn Lattimore's snaps. No, not him. He's just too darn
1: good. Not uh, him, but. But. But uh, on the if, other
5: side. Uh-huh. And, you know, all that Paulson and Debo, I thought, played better on Sunday, probably the best he has all season. Uh, And I loved his play as a rookie. But we know that he was erratic at best. At best. Uh
3: yeah,
5: you know, and, and, and I think if a guy like Paulson Adibo struggles or Bradley Roby comes back and Bro- Roby was in a bit of a slump before he went down with an injury. Uh you know, it, it, as good as Elante Taylor is playing, like you said, uh, you know, you can't you know, you, you have to give his snaps or take give him snaps, thereby taking away from somebody. So you know, it's only a good thing for the Saints secondary because it's going to make the rest of these guys earn playing time from here on
1: out. Looks like Andy Dalton doesn't want to give up that starting job, um, and and it was a very simple game plan, a very smart game plan. Get it to Kamara. get it to Hill. Uh, use play action pass when you can. Um, receiver. I mean, it was just, it was a good game, top to bottom. Dalton was good. Yeah, it was, and
5: I, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've liked Pete Carmichael's game plans since Andy Dalton has been inserted into the lineup. Yeah, uh, you know, now. You know, part of that is by necessity. Dalton has has yet to play a snap with uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, You know, he's only played one game with a very hobbled Jarvis Landry. So your passing game is somewhat limited. Uh, yeah, but I, I still think all the you know, credit in the world goes to Pete Carmichael for devising different ways to get a guy like Rashid Shaheed in the open field, to make sure a guy like Taysom Hill stays effective, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and to move Alvin Kamara around so that way defenses aren't able to focus on him coming out of one spot like we saw you know, a, a lot of last year. So, you know, yeah, you know, I, I love the way Dalton is playing. We knew he could be efficient. This offense really seems to respond to him. Uh, it, but I think just as much credit goes to Pete Carmichael, as you just pointed out.
1: And the fact that the offensive line played lights, I think nobody ever touched Dalton. He didn't get hurried. Nobody laid a finger on him the entire game. Heck he could have just hung his uniform up and said, we're at home next uh, Monday. Just, just hang it up. I'll come back and put it on next time. Uh, so the offensive line, again, all sides. It was just the best game by far that this team has played. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you know, and coming into the matchup, uh,
5: you know, it, we all know how good Ryan Ramchek could be. And I think James Hurst is criminally underrated. But they were going against two very, very good edge rushers in Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Uh, And Ramchek was going against Crosby more often than not. And, folks, if you remember, when the Saints played the Raiders two years ago in 2020, Crosby had a field day against Ramchek. He was one of the few up to that point that did. Uh, you know, and and Ram shut him down completely. Uh, you know, Chandler Jones, he's gotten some criticism from the Vegas media uh, mm-hmm. you know, for being maybe a little bit overvalued. But he is still a, a, a quality pass rusher. Uh, you know, and like you said, he couldn't get to Dalton either. And not only that, these guys, all five of them, uh, you, know, I, you, know, it, you know, Cesar Ruiz, I'm ultimately impressed with how much improvement he has shown. Uh, you know, this entire offensive line is just road grading people in the running game.
1: You know, I'm no, I'm no football coach, but I, how, how does Devontae Adams get one pass, one completion? How, how can't they do? I mean, I, I, I know a Taylor played well, but come on. <laughs> and Derek Carr is not that bad of a quarterback. I just don't get it. Sometimes it's like, okay, well, we resigned to the fact that uh, this is the way it's going to be, and we're not going to try and change anything. I-, I was very surprised that they tried didn't try anything special to get the ball in Adam's hands.
5: Yeah, I was too. Uh, yeah, and, and and like you said, yeah, Devontae should have had more than that one completion. Uh, you know, there were two other plays where he had coverage beaten down the field. Uh, you know, and the pass was a little bit off the mark, uh, but. The fact that Devontae Adams only got five targets uh, is what astounded me the most. Yeah. If you're the Raiders, your bread and butter, Josh Jacobs, is being shut down all game. So you know, what do you do then? You know, you're, you're one of the better tight ends in the league, Darren Waller, is out for the game. Right. you move a guy like Devontae Adams around to find a matchup exactly what Arizona did with DeAndre Hopkins last week it was the identical scenario uh you know and you know it, it, the Arizona Cardinals came up with the playbook on how to beat it and the Raiders just you know through arrogance or you know it, 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 for whatever reason uh you know like you said they just went in very vanilla uh and and they paid the price for it
1: I'm more and more convinced now than before. Some guys are just meant to be coordinators. And I think Josh McDaniel ought to say, you know what? I don't want this gig anymore. This let me be an offensive coordinator. Let me call the plays and be done with it. I I think he's going to fail again.
5: Yeah, I do too. Um, You know, yeah, if you're a longtime football fan, and I know you are, uh, yeah, Josh McDaniels looks like the Wade Phillips of the offensive side. Yes, Wade Phillips is one of the best defensive coordinators in the history of the NFL. But yeah, despite. Yeah, I think three, maybe four opportunities as a head coach. Wade was mediocre at best, but yet this man might go into the Hall of Fame because of his defensive exploits as a coordinator. Josh McDaniels might very well be the same way. And I I I didn't understand the hiring of McDaniels by the Raiders anyway. Uh yeah, B, B. Asushi, I think his name was. The Why guy did they get rid of him. Party. Yeah. They the didn't players him loved him. Chart.
1: He won they had fun. It was enthusiastic. Just, I I don't understand paid to be understanding all this. I don't have the paychecks that these people have, but God just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So I guess the question now is what's the health of the saints? Are they getting some players back? You think for Monday?
5: God, I hope so. Uh, But we all thought that they would, you know, coming out of the Arizona game after that extra three or four day rest uh, and the same, same guys, you know, keep showing up on the injury report. You have to believe, and, you know, we are hearing, and this is coming directly from John Hendricks, uh, you know, our Saints News Network guy that's at the facility every day. Michael Thomas seems the most likely to be back the soonest, perhaps even as soon as this Monday's game. Uh, you know, no, we won't know for sure. We'll get a better idea on Thursday's practice. Uh, you know, there, there'll be a there'll be a skeleton injury report on Wednesday, uh, but they won't go back into full practice because of uh, you know, a, a, an extra day's rest uh, you know, until Thursday. Marshawn Lattimore, I think, is going to miss this one again. Uh, you know, Jarvis Landry, clearly, that ankle injury was much, much worse uh, yeah, than what was originally let on.
1: Wow! All right, let's take a quick time out here because we got to focus on the Ravens, who got better defensively at the trade deadline, uh, and they got that quarterback who, who causes issues wherever he plays, causes issues. He can get out of issue, get out of trouble. Uh, We'll continue Bob Rose, Saints News Network, and the Black and Gold Report after this time out here on the Jordy Helfrich Show. Stay with us.
0: Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
1: Uh, we welcome you back. Saw Maroon 5 at the Endymion Extravaganza. Oh, were they good? Bob Rose, Saints News Network, as we continue on. All right, we see that uh, the Falcons are 4-4, four and four, the Buccaneers and the Saints are 3-5, and five. the Panthers are at 2-6. and six. When you look at the schedule, Bob, the LA Chargers are at Atlanta. All right, you've got the Panthers at Cincinnati. Man, the Bengals got... Bombarded by the Cleveland Browns, and you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home hosting the LA Rams. Of those three, how many do you think lose this weekend,
5: Jordy? I think it's a good probability that all three of those
1: teams lose. Um, That's what I'm hoping for.
5: I would, yeah. So yeah, certainly, so am I. Uh, I think the most likely. Of those three teams to win would be Atlanta against the Chargers, okay. uh, because you know if there's one thing we've seen about the Falcons, they're going to play you hard. Uh, right. You know from you know from starting gun to opening gun, and they play you physical. Yeah, uh, and and the Chargers are you know, it just as whacked in the head as they've always been (laughs) uh, (laughs) who who knows what kind of effort you're going to get from them Uh, but yeah I I do think it's a strong possibility that all three of these NFC uh, South rivals lose this weekend
1: and everything is contingent upon how the Saints do against the Baltimore Ravens and the Ravens um, always a good ball club and right now they lead the AFC North they're five and three the Bengals are one game behind them, Cleveland is two, and Pittsburgh's out of the running. Uh, the Ravens believe they can have a shot, and they went out on the trade deadline and got linebacker Roquan Smith from Chicago. Really, really good player. How quickly does he adapt and adjust to the Ravens, and can can they hold him out for a week, please?
5: I, I sure hope that they do, uh, but no, I, I expect Roquan Smith to be you – know, uh, as heavily involved as possible, as soon as possible, Uh, especially with that that defense, that Baltimore defense, going up against an Alvin Kamara this week. Alvin Kamara's had 28 receptions in the last four games. Uh, And Roquan Smith is precisely the type of player, uh, yeah, terrific pass rusher, but people sleep on how good he is in coverage. Uh, And Patrick Queen is a really athletic guy too, but Roquan Smith is a little bit more polished uh, you know, as far as a coverage guy. So, you know, even if they can you know, just lock Roquan Smith in a room and say, watch Alvin Kamara highlights, break down his film. Uh, You know, and we're just going to have you shadow 41. I think that that's what I would do if I was John Harbaugh and company. And we'll get you caught up to speed with the rest of the defense and the rest of the game plan another time.
1: Yeah, wide receivers don't scare me. The last time Patrick Queen, much like Joe Burrow, played in the Superdome, they were playing for LSU and won a national championship. We saw what Burrow did. Hopefully, Queen won't do it. But it all starts with Lamar Jackson, and that's the kind of quarterback that kind of gives this, gives every team fits. It gives the Saints fits. That that elusive quarterback that can turn a sack into a 15 yard gain. What do you do defensively? What is Dennis Allen having his in his repertoire to slow him down, contain him? You can't stop him.
5: Yeah, my God, I don't know. Uh, yeah, because what as much as NFL teams in general struggle against uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's legs, uh, All right. Dennis Allen's defenses have been exponentially worse. Um, yeah, so yeah, I do think, I do think that you play a little bit of zone against the Ravens okay. uh, you know, at matchup zone, keep the plays in front of you that way. Because like you said, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, you know, you're not playing a zone because the Ravens have any burners or wide receivers that are going to eat you, uh, eat you alive. Uh, but you need those defensive backs, those safeties in particular to keep their eyes on Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, and when he breaks containment, go get him. You know, keep those gains. You know, keep what has normally been you know twenty-five and thirty-yard runs from Jackson. Keep him doing eight or a ten-yard gain if it's you know second or third and fifteen. Uh, yeah, and you know, it make him, uh, yeah, make him think twice about pulling the ball under and running. Uh, yeah, I think that that's what I would do. Uh, yeah, it, 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 if we're right and Marshawn Lattimore is not going to play, uh. Yeah, then we're not going to see as much matchup man coverage from the Saints anyway. Yeah, uh, you know, so like I said, you just you you have to win your your battles at the line of scrimmage. We need some li- some more life from this defensive tackle position of New Orleans because if you get quick pressure up the middle against Lamar, he's going to have to take a wider berth when he scrambles outside of pressure. Yeah, uh, you know, and that way you can contain him. Yeah, uh, and you know, those running plays that he has.
1: Uh, of course, Lamar leads them in passing with 1,600 yards. He leads them in running uh, with 553 yards. Um, Andrews, the tight end, is his go-to guy with 42 receptions. He's been kind of hurt with the shoulder. I don't know what the injury report says about him, but other than other than Andrews, they don't really have any wide receivers that scare me.
5: No, no, not really. Uh, Devin Devernay... Uh, you know, is, is their most productive wideout. Uh, but he only has 24 catches so far and, you know, just yeah. 30, 32 targets. Right. That's literally half of what Andrews has had, who right. leads the team. Uh, you know, the, the Ravens, much to the shock of everyone in the draft, yeah, you know, they traded away Hollywood Brown, so everybody thought that they'd draft a wide receiver on day one or day two. They didn't. They drafted two more tight ends. Um, you know, I, 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 Isaiah Likely and Josh Oliver, uh, you know, are both very good tight ends uh, you know, that will step in well for Andrews if he's limited or can't play. Uh, but again, you've got you know, outside of you know, Devernay, you have Rashad Bateman, who really hasn't taken that next step forward as a featured wideout, uh, you know, and Demarcus Robinson, who had a nice career with the Chiefs, uh, but nothing spectacular. Uh, you know, it, this Ravens offense is all about winning battles at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, a, a multi-headed attack out of the backfield with you know, a, a three or four running backs, uh, you know, and Lamar Jackson's legs. Uh, you know, if you can contain Jackson's running ability, then the only other thing you have to worry about him is when he breaks containment, uh, you know, in, in hitting a long ball down the field, because he will do that. But again, without any burners, uh, you know, and as long as you play disciplined coverage, then you will be able to contain the Baltimore passing game.
1: Uh, we know uh, one of their top defenders was a former Saint. he's only played in five games, but Marcus Williams is out there playing safety. I don't know what his status is uh, for this weekend. I, I haven't kept up with it to be quite honest with you, but of the eight games, he only played five, but did the saints have to change things up from a, from a look perspective with a guy that's been in that, that that's gone against their offense, year after year after year I know no no Sean Payton but kind of looks similar to what Sean Payton was doing
5: you have to change things up a little bit uh you know and I'm like you Jordy you know, last I looked, Marcus Williams was on injured reserve uh but yeah he could okay. be activated in time for the game it's still very early in the week uh right. but even if Marcus Williams doesn't play uh you know you better believe that John Harbaugh and the you know those coaches have picked his brain uh you know, about that New Orleans Saints offense and defense uh you know, co- you know coming into this week so you know yeah I think if you're the Saints offense you do change things up a little bit uh you know your your play calls your Cadence, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, but there there's so much player movement throughout the league from year to year now. I think the teams are more than prepared for that kind of contingency.
1: We do it every week with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. We ask him for his top five teams as of this point in time, right here, right now. It's always subject to change from week to week, depending upon how these teams do. So let's let's go for it again big big guy. You want to start from 1 and go down or you want to start 5 and go up? Uh I'll go from 5 and go up. All right. Number 5 is Number
5: 5 is the San Francisco 49ers. Oh,
1: McCaffrey looked good, didn't he?
5: He sure did, uh, yeah, and I'm, I, I, I'm very impressed with that defense. Uh, they beat the defending world champions, I believe, in Los Angeles without Debo Samuel. Uh, yeah, As long as Jimmy Garoppolo stays within himself, uh, yeah, this is a 49ers team that can beat
1: anybody. 49ers have a bye week, so that gives them more time to get uh, – I, I looks like McCaffrey knows exactly what he's doing, so we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. At number four.
5: Kansas City Chiefs. Uh yeah, oh. you know, I dropped the Chiefs up just a little bit. Oh. Uh you know, no real re- no knock against them. Uh you know, it was just I thought my number three team has a much higher ceiling at this point. Uh yeah, you know, I, I think that yeah, you know, Kansas City uh is one of two AFC teams that are just heads and shoulders above the rest of that conference.
1: Chiefs are at home Sunday night hosting the Tennessee Titans and Hope not- derrick henry i mean if he plays like that mm, it should be interesting because that'll eat up time eat up clock and keep mahomes and company on the sideline uh we shall see all right number three is
5: and i hate myself for saying it but the minnesota vikings wow Uh, the the vikings just look like a very very good team to me yeah A team that's hitting on all cylinders, uh, and they got another dangerous piece today when they traded for T.J. Hawkinson
4: uh, from the Detroit Detroit Lions.
5: Really, Lions, you're going to trade your best weapon to an in-division rival. This is why you're the Detroit Lions. (laughs) Um, I still have no faith in Kirk Cousins as a championship quarterback, uh, but this Minnesota team is downright dangerous.
1: You know what makes a quarterback better is when you have wide receivers like they have, and, and yep. they've got some really, really good ones. Vikings on the road this Sunday against the Washington Commanders. That's number three for Bob Rose of the Saints Stu's Network on his top five this week. Coming in at number two.
5: Buffalo Bills. Uh, yeah, I think the Buffalo Buffalo is uh, yeah, again, you know, tied with Kansas City or hand in hand with Kansas City's heads and shoulders above the rest of the AFC. Uh, yeah, I still don't discount Cincinnati making a run despite what we saw from them last night. Uh, yeah, Buffalo just it, it, they're a juggernaut offensively. They're going to beat you up defensively. I don't see them as a uh, I see some vulnerabilities within the Bills, uh, but I just I don't see any AFC team being able to match up with them right now.
1: The Bills with a two-game lead over their nearest competitor in their division, which happens to be the New York Jets. The Bills are at the Jets this Sunday. And, of course, at number one, still undefeated, right?
5: Yeah, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, yeah, the Eagles. I marvel at the improvements Jalen Hurts has made as a passer. Uh, you know, I love Nick Sirianni as a head coach. Uh, yeah, that defense. I, I love the New Orleans Saints defense, man. I, I do. And I have since the start of the season, despite their inconsistencies. Uh, but the Philadelphia Eagles defense, man, they will take you in a back alley uh, you know, and just beat you from wall to wall until you give up, give in.
1: And they will have no trouble Thursday night as they go up against the 1-5-1 and Houston Texans in Houston um, this Thursday night. So there's Bob Rose's top five. Um A lot of people would say, where are the Dallas Cowboys? Some people um, are very surprised with what Miami's doing. Mm -hmm. Now that Tua's back, boy, I tell you what, they, they scare me. Man, if you give Tua some time with his accuracy and those two wide receivers, holy cow. Yeah,
5: and not only that, but that, you know, don't forget about Gasecki at tight end. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you manage to contain those two, those two track stars at receiver, you got you know, big old Mike, you know, rambling down the middle of the field. Uh, yeah, and I love too his accuracy. Yeah, uh, you know, I just you know, my Miami can't run the ball, so you know, if you manage to contain their run, their, their passing yeah. attack, uh, you know, and you know, minimize that damage. Uh, I'll be, I I can't see Miami being able to beat you. I think their defense is a tad overrated, Uh, you know, and, and yeah, I thought about putting them in my top five, but to me, San Francisco is the more complete team. Uh, But yeah, if you're looking for an AFC team to maybe take a a flyer on and making a run over the second half of the year, Miami is a good bet.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, The team that has surprised me more than any Um the seattle seahawks and the job that geno smith has done and you saw i can't remember what player said he made his way into the microphone and said it's amazing what you can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit and that was like a a direct shot at russell wilson and geno smith comes in he's one of the guys they've won three in a row they're at five and three overall they have shocked me. I thought they were going to be the worst. They or the Atlanta Falcons were going to be the worst mm-hmm. teams in football. And look at both of them now. Who yeah, here. It?
5: Yeah. It's same here. And I thought that yeah, the, those two teams along with Houston, who is down there and the giants uh, you know, would be fighting it out for the number one draft. choice. That's true. The- I
1: forgot about them. Uh, yeah.
5: Yeah, I think yeah, and I, I dislike him so much as a person or at least the person that he comes across as. But Pete Carroll is such a fantastic coach. Yeah. No matter who he has on his side, uh, you know, it, 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 on his side of the ball, he is going to get them ready to play. Uh, you know, and they're going to play hard. They're going to play efficient. yeah, uh, you know, And I, I, I love the comeback story of Geno Smith. I, I've never been a big fan of him as a football player, yeah, but he always seemed like a good guy. Uh, yeah, and this is a real feel-good story. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind at all seeing Seattle, you know, steal that NFC West. It's, it, yeah, you know, they, they got a lot of likable guys outside of their coach. They got a lot of
1: likable guys over there. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Which team with the, the, the outstanding quarterback from the past? The Green Bay Packers at 3-5 and five with Aaron Rodgers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers 3-5 and five with Tom Brady. Which team ends up having the worst of the two seasons?
5: I think that we're on the verge of seeing a complete collapse by the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, and I hope it's the Tampa. I, I hope it's both teams. But, uh, you know, I, I hope it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for obvious reasons. They're in right. the same division as New Orleans. But Tampa Bay, we know what kind yeah. of character they have on the Buccaneers' side. Uh I don't see that kind of, same kind of character, that same kind of mental and emotional toughness out of Green Bay. Uh, you know, I, I never have. Uh, you know, th- this is why they're a team that you know, keeps coming up short in the playoffs, uh, you know, because they lack that heart. Uh, you yeah, know, they lack that, you know, mental toughness, Uh yeah, and, you know, now that they're facing more adversity that they have faced, at least in the last half decade, mm-hmm. I just, I can't see them coming together. Uh, yeah. They don't have as nearly as much talent as what everybody thinks that they do. Well, uh, that lack office. of talent is getting exposed and the quarterback has got, is aged quickly.
1: Yeah. Their front office. Ooh. Uh, Vikings with a four game lead in the loss column over second place. Green Bay. Wow unbelievable um Saints and Ravens Monday night who you got give me what let's let's go what you got i know it's early we still got to wait for the injury report but initial initial feel i think
5: the Saints are going to win this game i think we're going to see this New Orleans team get on a bit of a roll uh yeah that that defense it, you know, really came out and felt themselves they know what they can do uh you yeah, know the the offense nobody is talking about how much this offense has been in a rhythm uh you yeah, know and they're gonna have to run the ball against a very stout Ravens defense
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but
5: that Baltimore defense has been vulnerable against the pass. If there's a game that Michael Thomas needs to come back for, it is this one. Um, and you know defensively, again, if you, you know, if the Saints can somehow contain Lamar Jackson's legs, uh, I'm not worried about their passing game at all. Okay. Uh, they, and, you know, this, this Saints team played much more physical, aggressive, and confident uh, you know, a, against a Raiders squad that had been beating people up on the ground. So, wow. yeah, you know, I do think it's going to be a close one. Uh, you know, John Harbaugh teams are always going to you know, make you go to a physical war against them. Uh, but I, I, I see the Saints coming out of this one 24 to 20.
1: He is Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Monday night in the Dome. Oh, yeah. Good crowd. Uh, Bob, thank you, man. Get well. Get the family well, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. Have a great week. You're the best. Bob Rose, Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. Uh, here we go. Listen to it. <laughs>
0: In next week to the Jordy Holtberg show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose here on the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: All right, we welcome you back, Finishing Touches. If today, November 1st, is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us here to all of you there. You share yours with or pretty good lefty back in the day with that unorthodox windup. up uh, Happy 62nd birthday to Fernando Valenzuela and the ageless South African Gary Player is 87 years young today and still swinging a golf club. It's just... Uh, absolutely m- fantastic uh thanks to our guest today matthew Bruni talking lsu and bama tony barnhart talking about the sec grant hughes of Bleacher report with the nba and bob rose of the saints news network with the black and gold report tomorrow hump day with we will get you caught up on all the great takeaways from last week in college football and get his picks for the big week uh, big games this week so until then james mesh thank you Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Heltberg. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And let's all be happy. Have a great day. So long, everybody.